Chapter Eighteen of the Sacred Herb by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Power of the Herb. It had been Prelice's intention to ask Ned about his love for Constance Rover before leaving the Grange, but on second thought he resolved to wait until he learned more concerning the murders before putting Shepworth in the witness box nevertheless he was somewhat upset to think that his best friend was entangling himself with a married woman prelice was no prude and had not been a sir galahad himself all the same he did not think that ned was acting rightly of course the case was a hard one since the two truly loved one another constance had been sacrificed on the family altar and to a man who took advantage of her sacrifice to play the tyrant as much as he dared. The poor woman was very unhappy, and it was to be presumed that the man who loved her was unhappy also. It said a great deal for Shepworth and Mrs. Rover that they had not long ago defied conventionality and eloped. Since they had not gone this length, Prelice argued that they were trying to bear their several burdens as honorably as possible. But how long would such endurance last? According to Shepworth himself, Mona knew of his love for Constance, since he had explained the same when the pretended engagement was made to save the girl from Jadby's wooing and Sir Oliver's persecution. But Prelice, in the first flush of his love shrank from questioning her about so distasteful a subject and on her side mona was loyally silent until ned chose to speak thus it came about that although prelice met his friend at breakfast he made no remark about this very private business and shepworth did not volunteer an explanation rather did the conversation turn on the unexpected appearance of the lost will and martabon explained his future actions these included an immediate journey to london with mrs blexley who had to make an affidavit as to the authenticity of the document under these circumstances as shepworth could scarcely remain at the grange when both martabon and the housekeeper were absent he arranged to go to london with them by the ten o'clock train prelice would fain have lingered in those delicious gardens with mona but as he knew her views he kept to his determination however when the trio drove away to hide prelice had a golden hour or so all to himself and very wisely made the most of it it was with great regret that he took his way to the station at hyde and to the train which was to bear him miles away from his goddess but the memory of the last kiss which she gave him cheered his somewhat despondent mood all the way to charing cross and on stepping on to the platform of the metropolitan station prelice shook off his dreams and addressed himself to the task in hand as the day was fine and prelice as usual felt the need of exercise to tame his exuberant spirits which had quite recovered during the journey he walked to new bond street and somewhere about three o'clock found himself reading a brass plate inscribed madame marie epingrave and afterwards 
he entered a narrow and dark passage to mount a steep flight of stairs and finally came to the second floor of the building where the fortune teller received clients a dark-complected lad of fourteen dressed in white robes with a blue scarf round his waist received the newcomer and informed him that madame marie was engaged for ten minutes or so prelice therefore sat down and glanced over some papers lying on a round table these mostly dealt with occult matters up to date and he speedily grew tired of reading much which he could not understand the room was small and commonplace and even ugly in its adornments the table aforesaid a few cane chairs and an old horsehair sofa completed the furnishings and two dingy uncurtained windows overlooked bond street there was nothing of the mystical about this very ordinary apartment and prelice concluded that madame marie certainly did not spend her earnings on magical frippery in order to impress those who called upon her after a glance round he spoke to the lad who was seated cross-legged at the door and asked him if he was a hindu no answered the boy in very good english and with a flash of snow-white teeth i come from the south seas indeed answered prelice in his turn and somewhat astonished has your mistress been in the south seas yes sir she brought me from tahiti but i want to go back again prelice reflected tahiti was the home of captain jadby and the former haunt of sir oliver lanwin he wondered if madame marie had met the baronet there but the lad was not likely to know that so he asked him another question does your mistress know captain felix jadby the effect on the boy was somewhat strange he leaped to his feet and muttered some words in his native tongue which apparently were not complimentary to the captain judging from the savage expression of his face madame does know him he said at length and he comes to see her here very often i don't like him he kicked me i would kill him if i were in tahiti but here the boy shrugged his shoulders to show that the english law was much too particular madame loves the captain and wants to marry him went on the boy apparently so carried away by his hate that he said more than was wise considering his dependent position but he loves another and here the sound of the inner door opening made the lad aware of his folly in speaking secrets to a stranger he cringed and caught prelice's hand you will say nothing to her he implored no no prelice assured him and slipped half a crown into his hand but later you must tell me more i also dislike captain jadby i'll tell you what i can to harm him said the boy viciously he kicked me and struck me me the son of a chief but don't tell her he added pointing with a trembling hand to the inner door oh my soul don't tell her for she can send the spirits to torment me the young man promised again thinking that the lad in a way was somewhat like caliban in his fear of spirits and looked upon madame marie as a sort of female prospero 
who could have him pinched black and blue but he had little time to think about this new ally who might be of assistance in undermining jadby's schemes for a lady fashionably dressed and holding a handkerchief to her face emerged from the inner room the lad showed her out and prelus waited for his reception a silver bell sounded within and the boy returned to point meaningly at the door laying his finger on his lips in token of silence prelus nodded reassuringly and stepped into the shrine if the approach to this holy of holies was commonplace the shrine itself certainly was not prelus beheld a room of no great size furnished very oddly that is to say it was not furnished in the ordinary acceptation of the word the ceiling was painted a dull red and a plain carpet of the same hue was spread over the floor two windows looking on to bond street were filled in with painted glass representing various mystical signs and the four walls were hung with lustreless black stuff which made the place look like a chapel during a funeral service but the odd thing was that the red carpet was strewn with perfectly white cushions and there was neither table nor chair tall pillars of black marble stood in the four corners each bearing a glass ball on its summit and between the windows was placed a bronze tripod in which smoked a perfumed fire what with the dim religious light the black walls the red carpet and the snowy cushions of silk prelice felt somewhat dizzy all this theatrical parade was evidently designed to produce a confusing effect and unseat as much as possible the reason and judgment of madame's dupes annoyed that he should give way so easily the young man pulled his wits together and looked at the priestess who had conceived this artful mise-en-scene madame marie clothed in a long white silk robe made perfectly plain knelt japanese fashion on a cushion in front of the tripod and with her back to the painted windows she was a stout heavy-looking woman of apparently no great height with a colorless face very large and smooth and with masses of snowy silvery hair which tumbled down her back in waves of white what her figure might be prelice could not judge because of the robe but he noted that her hands were slender and beautiful and also ringless indeed she did not wear a single ornament of any description and kneeling perfectly motionless with closed eyes looked like an idol carved out of alabaster it was cleverly done and prelice the skeptical could quite understand how the majority of people yielded to the carefully prepared spells of this managing woman but it was when madame marie opened her eyes that prelice became aware of the true secret of her power over weaker minds these were large and blue and clear looking from under white eyebrows in a penetrating way fathomless as the sea and as mysterious prelice met this mystical gaze calmly but felt his skin prickling and his will-power growing weak aware that the seeress was trying to hypnotize him as she doubtless hypnotized her other clients 
the young man concentrated his will to meet and baffle hers for some time they stared at one another prelice looking down from his height and madame marie gazing upward from her cushion then the woman closed her eyes again with a somewhat annoyed expression you are not a weak man she said in a deep melodious voice like the sound of a mellow bell no answered prelice calmly i am not and he sat down cross-legged on a cushion directly in front of the sibyl then why do you come to me she asked looking at him steadily only weak persons wish to know the future the man who is strong and self-willed and skeptical as you are need learn nothing of the future which lies in his own hands in the hands of god rather corrected prelice do you know who i am you are lord prelice how do you know i might say by magic but you would not believe that i always suit myself to the nature of those i meet therefore i shall give a commonplace explanation i saw you in court when you gave evidence during the trial of miss chent for murder prelice nodded i might have guessed that do you know why i have come madame marie folded her hands calmly before her and replied equally calmly you have come to solve the secret of the murders that is a very clever guess and i rather think that you can solve the secret madam why should you think so she asked with absolute calmness you gave the sacred herb to sir oliver i did the sacred herb of easter island but i need not explain to you since you heard what dr horace said in court the herb induces trances and sir oliver wished to go into a trance by its aid i therefore gave him a few twigs why did sir oliver wish to go into a trance he desired to explore the astral plane if you understand that i quite understand i have studied theosophy well there is nothing more to be said rejoined madame marie with a little shrug which hinted at french blood he went into a trance and while his spirit was absent from his body he was murdered who by i can't tell you even with my powers and they are great i am not permitted to know who killed sir oliver lanwin it was his karma and he had to bear it since he reaped only as he sowed the karma of his murder has nothing to do with me therefore my sight is veiled and i cannot read the truth and if i could added the woman with emphasis you must be aware if you have studied the occult that i would not be permitted to tell without permission from those who rule the lords of korma asked prelice wondering if she was talking in earnest or merely wiggling out of an awkward position madame marie bowed solemnly i see you understand somewhat but may i ask you to be more open with me regarding the purpose of your visit you can hardly have come to accuse me of these crimes no said prelice studying her face carefully i think that you are innocent let us leave the murders alone for the moment i want you to help me 
he paused to add effect to his next words with captain felix jadby the woman's hands moved restlessly and she began to lose her calmness when the name was pronounced i know nothing about captain jadby beyond the fact that i met him at lanwin grange but he is not guilty of sir oliver's death if that is what you mean oh dear me that is not what i mean at all rejoined prelis in his most airy manner and resolving to be very plain but the fact is that captain jadby is my rival madame marie rose as though moved by a spring and he then saw that she was little but tremendously dignified your rival she repeated and her marble-white face became crimson with angry blood at length he had managed to break through her calculated calm i understood that miss chent was engaged to mr shepworth oh the whole world knows that replied prelice still airy in his manner but that was merely an official engagement to prevent jadby from worrying miss chent sir oliver was in favor of the engagement with jadby for reasons i know those reasons i know that felix she let slip the name forgetting that she had disclaimed intimacy that felix is his son his illegitimate son said prelis with emphasis yes by the daughter of a chief to whom he was married in native fashion lord prelis of course captain jadby she had the name stiffly by this time remembering her slip came home to look after his interests and wished to marry another woman forgetting cried madame marie beginning to pace the room that he was engaged to marry another woman myself lord prelice myself remembering what the native boy had said prelice expressed no surprise but rapidly resolved to work on her jealousy i congratulate captain jadney more than i do you he remarked gravely oh i know he is not a good man she cried now quite the woman and kicking several cushions out of the way but i loved him i have always loved him and he owes much to me he promised when we met in south seas that he would make me his wife not that i am young or beautiful but because he found in me so he said a good comrade i gave him the money to come home and see his father and to secure his inheritance if possible but he saw that girl and loved her oh how i hate that girl who stole his heart you need not said prelice very dryly miss chent dislikes jadby immensely and pretended to be engaged to shepworth so as to escape his clutches otherwise sir oliver might have worried her into consenting to a marriage which she hated but jadby came down the other evening to lanwin grange and knows now that the engagement was a false one what he does not know ended prelice emphatically is that miss chent is now engaged to me to you madame marie stopped in sheer surprise then went on pacing the room talking half to herself but why should i be astonished i saw her look at you in court i noted how you glanced in her direction i told jadby that you loved her and that she loved you oh you couldn't be certain cried prelice blushing 
i have occult powers which enable me to read hearts said madame marie coldly believe or disbelieve as you like i shall believe if you will read my heart now there is no need of my exercising occult powers for that she replied waving her beautiful hands you wish to learn the truth about the murders so that miss chent's name may be cleared and felix thwarted yes said prelice coolly you are right and you can help me to clear miss chent's name to discover the truth as i can help you to marry jadby how can you do that by marrying miss chent myself madame marie nodded and thought pressing her hands to her head i can help you by the power of the herb she said rapidly listen i shall go into a trance induced by the herb do whatever i say but do not attempt to awaken me simply listen to what i say and then leave the room i shall send my spirit to seek out the truth but first she said slipping down on the cushion again tell me how much you know Frida saw no objection in being thus clear even if madame marie wished to work against him and seeing that her love for jadby was at stake he did not think that she would all that he told her would do little to harm his own schemes he therefore made no demur but detailed everything from the time lady sophia had first drawn him into the case by sending him to the new bailey madame marie listened intently nodding at intervals it is useless for felix to strive she said when he ended and with an air of triumph the fate of yourself is mingled with that of the girl you love so speedily now because you loved before in previous incarnations her karma is your karma felix can never marry her nor can mr shepworth marry her even if he did not love mrs rover pardon me cried prelice quickly i made no mention of mrs rover beyond the fact that she wore the green domino and the scarlet embroidered dress and she as i explained is innocent you have no right to talk of mr shepworth's love for a married woman lord prelice said madame marie quietly and moved towards the wall my knowledge of these affairs is greater than you imagine mrs rover has consulted me and felix learned how it matters not that she loved mr shepworth however we can talk of these things another time i will go into a trance and search the alexander mansions for what i can find only as i said after i have spoken and have become silent leave this room at once in due time i shall come out of the trance when the power of the herb is exhausted prelice nodded in silence and madame marie drawing aside a portion of the black hangings revealed a small recess from this she took some purple leaves and moving towards the tripod threw them on the perfumed fire lie down on your face she commended else the fumes will send you into a trance quick the smoke rises it certainly did in a thick white cloud madame marie stood over it letting the odor flow into her nostrils not wishing to experience 
the power of the herb as he had witnessed its results before prelice lay full length on the red carpet the smoke was circling so high up that he could not breathe it although a sickly whiff of tuberose perfume came to his nostrils perhaps the draught sweeping under the door neutralized the power scent at this lower level but be this as it may prelice lay perfectly flat and as in a dream heard madame marie speak after the manner of the tranced in an unemotional voice and very distinctly i leave this room she said in her mellow tones i rise high i pass across london the streets are under me i see the park and now i poise above alexander mansions i sink i pass through the roof i am in mrs rover's flat search for the dress commanded prelis softly there was a pause and then the calm voice sounded again i search in mrs rover's room the dress she wore is there in a wardrobe together with a green domino search for another dress said prelis risking the chance another dress of the same style again there came a pause i am searching said the voice and a silence ensued for quite two minutes it endured then madame spoke again still with the same awful calmness a man's dressing-room in the flat across the landing i see a cupboard in which many clothes are hanging up men's clothes they are behind them is a green domino with a scarlet embroidered dress sewn to it who wore it asked prelis his heart beating i cannot tell it is not permitted by the powers then came a long silence end of chapter eighteen